settings. We are live, Gabi. Woohoo! We are live! Good afternoon, Gabi. Hey, Matheus! Hello, Matheus! Hello, Gabi! We are... Hello, everybody! Back again for one more live. Uh, today we are discussing about a very relevant issue. Um, we are doing a special series with four episodes, Dismystifying English. And um, the first episode is about translation. And so today we will understand and we will discuss, Gabi and I will think together about this idea of translation, uh, translating or not. Yes. So, Gabi, welcome. Hello, Matheus. Thank you. Uh, we are here with, with this mission. Yeah, we have this mission, this mission of demystifying many things that everyone is um, uh, always hearing about learning English. Are these things really true? And today, today the focus is on, on that specific, specifically, sorry, uh, on translation. Excellent, excellent. And then uh, I would like to think with you, Gabi, uh, can translation, in your perspective, is translation good or bad? Okay, <laughs> uh, I, th I, I would say that as uh, nothing in life is completely good, uh, neither bad, uh, either bad, I think translation is not either good or bad. I, I think it is um, uh, that we have a spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> of good and bad, right? So good is the extreme, one extreme and bad is in the other extreme and translation is somewhere in the middle. Um, mm -hmm. Depends a lot on how you use it. Exactly. Depends on how you use it. So, um, because uh, Vitor is there. Hello, Vitor. Welcome. Hello, everybody. And... Hello, openness. <laughs> and um, so, that is, we see in uh, um, teaching languages a pendulum movement uh, between extremes, right? Always it is uh, one extreme or the other, yes? For a very long time, translation was the, the thing concerning uh, learning a language, yes? It was translating... The first method created, I guess. Exactly. It is a translation word by word that you take a text and then you translate word by word there. This happened because of the uh, historical, the social historical moment that we were living, that languages, they were not to communicate with other people or that they were uh, about, uh, for example, traveling abroad or finding yeah, we a didn't job. Have a a globalized world. Exactly. The, At that time. The translation method is more than uh, 500 years old, yes. But then, as society progressed, um, the um, people's necessity with the language changed. And the methods and the techniques to change the language also changed, yes. Um, and then... Today, we are in a moment that translation is seen as um, 
a sin, yeah, but I, I wanted a, a other word. It's seen a as, sacrilege. Yeah, it's it's um it's unforgivable to to translate. a big no no. Yeah, it's a big no no. <laughs> but this is a societal movement. Yes, it is a, a a theoretical movement because in academic discussions, the pendulum swings um, from one extreme to the other. And our objective today is to try to understand perhaps a place in the middle where translation might be useful and understand also how translation can be bad, yes, or how translation can be negative. So, Gabi, the first argument that you would like to begin, what would you, how would you prefer to begin that? I, I would like you to um, to expose a little bit of your uh, theory, Matheus, because I remember, well, we, we have been working together for quite some time, quite a long time already. And uh, one thing that called my attention when I uh, were attending your lessons uh, when I was watching you teaching, especially the first lesson uh, for for the the first time the the yeah the student starts the course, so I remember you had something uh, really important that you mentioned in that occasion, and it was concerning translation. Um, uh, the the fact that uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but. Uh, the, the fact that the course that we used to teach at that time uh, was to always avoid Portuguese, our mother language, yeah, and the student's mother language, uh, uh, always uh, uh, also uh, contributed for us to explain that to the student, right? So instead of translating back to Portuguese, instead of translating everything back to Portuguese. Um, for example, we have this simple pen. Do we have to translate it back to Portuguese or can we simply uh, uh, use a shortcut mm -hmm. and not go to Portuguese to go to the pen, to, mm -hmm. to the idea or the experiences that we have, to the associations that we have with this thing? Uh, do we have to use Portuguese or can we just or is it best to just instead of back translating mm -hmm. just focus on the English word pen and the associations we have with this object could, could you explain a little better uh -huh. uh, okay so uh, from what I um, from what I understood is you are asking me to uh, say if it is positive to associate this object with the word in Portuguese or with a direct association. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so, yeah. Before we begin that, then, Gabi, I think we can give one step back and understand in what cases translation can be bad. Yes. Let, let's develop these arguments so that we have a clear perspective on what we are talking about. The first part of the argument uh, when translation can be bad, it is when you depend too much on that. Because translation is a tool, is one tool. 
But if you use that tool for everything, you will have uh, consequences. Yes, you will have um, your linguistic development will be um, a little bit more. It will be slower than it could if you focus it on practicing. And then here uh, there is a, a a reflection concerning with what you said. That um, imagine that there is your brain, yes, your brain, your mind, and reality, yes, how the world is. In the middle, in the middle, there is a language, yes, uh, and then we have our uh, native language, we have our mother language, in our case, is Portuguese. So we see the world through this software through this intermediary that is Portuguese language. So this is your brain, this is reality, and here is Portuguese, yeah, in the middle. And um, when you learn a new language, what people normally do is they take this software that they have that is Portuguese, and then they try to understand the other language with the same characteristics of this native language, right? So People want to learn um, English. Let's pretend that this is English and this is Portuguese. People want to understand that this uh, wants to understand English by uh, connecting that with uh, Portuguese. Yes, so they do, for example, direct translation, word by word. But I think these two objects they are good for us to in the, uh, identify that because they are similar. Yes. This is a pen, and this is a highlighter, yeah? Both of them we can use on paper, but they are not exactly equal. And if we try to understand English by simply identifying that with Portuguese, we will run into troubles, because if we depend too much on that, we, will, uh, we won't be able to... Um, identify and think in our target language, yes? So this is the commentary that you said about the pen. If you try every time to understand uh, English through Portuguese, like uh, the exact word, word by word, you won't be able to develop naturality, you won't be able to uh, think in your... Um, in your target language, to think in English, in this case, because you will always be doing this tripod of reality, your native language, and English. And then this tripod uh, creates a resistance for your brain to develop a more natural approach. So this is one case where translation is bad. When you use it too often, too frequently, to understand, to do this connection from your brain to reality, and then you pass first through Portuguese, and then after to English. And this creates uh, cognitive blockages. The language becomes harder to learn. You could be investing your time in contact with the language more wisely, but we will get there. Uh, what is your idea, Gabi? Uh, I guess this is it. We are going to explain uh, what is the alternative way 
instead of doing that yeah so stick to stick to us stay here and comment below if you ever felt comment in the chat if you if you feel that you try to use translation a lot for for translating things from portuguese to english a lot or from english to portuguese a lot all the time or or you get um or or you get um I would not say confused, but I would say a feeling uh, of a feeling of um, blockage, blockage or resistance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you are you res you don't want to accept the differences. Yeah, for example, uh, we have different questions to to ask the age in Portuguese and in English. It's possible to ask what is your age as we do in Portuguese, mm -hmm. what is your age? But this is not as common as how old are you? And do you feel uncomfortable with that, with these differences? Mm -hmm. Maybe because you were too much um, dependent on your mother language to understand English exactly. and you don't have to. Comment on the chat, guys. How often do you translate? Always, frequently, sometimes, Almost never or never. You can comment there. And Gabi, if you can, you can open the the central of the live stream to interact with them because here I can't. I needed to close the window. And um, so this is other case um, that we can mention why translation can be bad. Yes, we see that the first part of our argument is to think in what situations translation is bad. We will get to the point where we say how translation can be effective. But in this first part of the argument, we have seen that if you use all the time English, uh, you use Portuguese to understand English, you will, be, you will have more difficulties to um, feel, natural, feel natural with that target language. The second case that was inside our previous argument was to say that the languages are different. Yes. So um, they are. And people you have to accept that. <laughs> English does not have the obligation to be similar to Portuguese. This is something that we uh, frequently listen. Um the for example, oh but in Portuguese is not like this. And then we say, yeah, it's not like that in Portuguese, but in English it is. In English, it is like that because it is the way that the language is constructed. Um, ah, but, but the gerund in Portuguese, we don't use like this. Yeah, in Portuguese, we don't use like this, but in English, we use. Um, and then, once we become too dependent on the translation, we think that the two um, aspects, that the two languages should be equal, when in reality, they are not equal. The, yeah, Portuguese has some. Here it is. Are we back? I think we are back. Yeah, there was a little. Guys, can you see us? <laughs> can you? My heart. <laughs> Let us see if the guys are 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 able to see us and listen to us. Give us a hello, guys, if you can listen to if, us. Yeah, if the audio is okay, if the video is okay. Uh, I, I could not find... Okay, I found it. Mm -hmm. Excellent. 
let me see. I think they will be sending some messages soon if they can listen to. Apparently, everything yeah. is all, is all right here. But there was a little peak, I think, on the connection. Then it is this idea: the two languages they are different. Yes, uh, the your native language and your target language is different. So if you consider translation the only way, uh, or that you use uh, too frequently, um, okay, the guys are saying that it is fine, and. Um, if you depend too much on that, you won't be able to understand the peculiarities of each language. You won't be able to uh, absorb how that language is, in fact, constructed. Yeah, and and uh, and this can stop you a lot of times uh, when when you are producing in the language, when you are trying to communicate. This is the uh, the the main problem i would say the main issue if you use too much translation but i would defend the use of translation if you are if you consider yourself intermediate level of english uh, i i would not recommend you to translate anymore mm -hmm. i but would recommend you to to check for other ways to to understand or to say what you want. Yeah, but but we can get we, we can get in the second part of this. Yeah, of the we'll argument. talk about yeah, that. The... But but if you are if you are basic uh, basic no uh, beginner student, I think this will this will be necessary many times. You will have to translate. That's it. <laughs> But yeah. Do you but, agree, but, Matthew? Not exactly. Not exactly. I, 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 not exactly. Um, I want uh, uh, in the third part. I want to talk about other alternatives to translation. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say that each stage of um, the development. Let's get then to the second part. That is this idea of when translation go. can be good. Yes. Um, we discussed it, guys, in the first part that. Um, if you depend too much on the language, uh, on the translation, you will run into obstacles to use it more naturally and to absorb it more naturally um, because you are using this filtering, yes? From Portuguese to English, back and forth. Word by word is the grammar translation technique. The second argument, it is this idea that, um, for example, you will not un understand the peculiarities of English language or the language that you are studying because you are too dependent on your mother language and they are different, yes? Your mother language is different from the target language. Portuguese is different from English. But let us think about the second part of this argument, when translation can be positive, yes? Because it, this is something interesting. When I started teaching English classes, this was during the Mesozoic. Dinosaurs were walking on the face of the earth. Um, <laughs> um, Humans have just discovered how to make fire. Yeah, it was a good time. Good old days. I was taught and I was instructed that learning a language through translation created neurological blockages, yes? Um, the idea that, for example, if you are translating, 
you will have um, a harder cognitive time in understanding that. But I, I was searching recently, even also to create this, um, this live with Gabi, that there is no sufficient evidence to support this argument, to support this idea that there is a neurological or a cognitive impact in learning, uh, in, in using the translation, yes? There is even a statistic that um, some Europeans, uh, European countries, that in the school they have uh, a, a, translating, a translating method compared with the ones that don't, there is no significant difference in um, their grades in the test. But the argument is not concerning about the cognitive differences we, we can elaborate, but how the time is used, how the time with the, uh, in contact with the language is used, because it is not an idea of either translating or not translating. It is an idea of how much you should translate. And a good percentage, uh, according to the, the experts, according to intellectuals, and according to us, because we are, we are also, um, we have taught English for, for, uh, for a while. Um, I think have, it's been more than seven years. Yes. Uh, so, uh, and we have also studied other languages. It is that an ideal percentage of translation could be from 5 to 10% of your contact with the language, yes? The other part should be directed to studying, um, practicing your listening, practicing your reading, practicing your writing, practicing your speaking. These are really fundamental. The problem, Gabi, is that people usually they go 70%. Every little thing they find they want to translate. And then wow. that's, that's where the problem lives. Because that time, that 60% that was dedicated to translation could be used much more effectively. Yes, so uh, this is how translation can be used effectively. It is when it is... 5 to 10%. Of your contact with English, let's say that you um, you study one hour every day, sixty minutes. Ten percent of sixty minutes. Six minutes. I think I, I think yeah, six to ten minutes maybe yeah. Six who, to ten minutes. Yeah, who is good in the in mathematics or? Lara, a... where is Lara? <laughs> But, Nati, uh, Natalia, yeah, help us. Yeah, what is the, the percentage? Yeah, of, Alpinist. Yeah. And Send the answer in the chat. What is the 10% of 60? 60 minutes, yeah. But let's say uh, 4 to 6 or 10 minutes, no more than that. And then the rest, the other 50 minutes or 56 minutes is used practicing other aspects of your language. What do mm -hmm. you think, Gabi, about this? I think, I, I, I think maybe that's what I meant. <laughs> I think maybe that's what I meant. I would not say, when I said that I was encouraging beginner students to use translation, 
I, th- I understand why you got like, oh, no, 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 don't encourage them to do that because that's what happens when you encourage a beginner student to use translation. Yeah, guys. They, 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 bec- they become so too attached. Yeah, they, they think that's the only way. Yeah. They think that's the only um, solution. Okay, so ah, the teacher told me that I can translate. So every single thing that I see in English, I translate. Every no. single thing that I want to say, I translate. Every single thing that I listen, I need to translate. And that's really not the case. Yes, it is. Uh, you, you can continue. I I, I will take the... the uh, we have a cat, guys. <laughs> and he is very active now. Uh, he's then, using... He's making some noise with a toy. Yeah, with a, a, a ball. I, I will take the, the ball out of him. And Gabby... You can elaborate in what circumstances you think that is uh, positive. I'll be I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. So um, I I guess you um, you have to to imagine that there is a very thin line dividing the the um, the use of translation uh, in a in a positive way to the use of translation in a negative way, right? It's a really thin line, yeah? Uh, And uh, according to what Mateus has just mentioned, uh, 5% of your time dedicated to learning English, dedicated to focused studies, yeah? Focusedly studying the language should be only 5% to 10% to, to translation, uh, and I would encourage, especially beginner students, to feel comfortable to do that, but pay attention not to um, over-translate, yeah. as Matteo said, right? Not a lot of translation, not everything. You don't have to. You really don't have to. And I believe Krashen, yes, yeah, Stephen Krashen, is a theorist that... Uh, uh, that uh, fundamentals this argument right i one of the five uh theories that he that he has and have contributed a lot for for language learning uh theories is that uh the the thing you hear the thing you are exposed to either reading or listening or watching like you are watching us right now Everything should be comprehensive. You should comprehend what you are listening. At right? least 70%. At least yeah. 70%. Uh, uh, this is something good, guys. Um, and uh, uh, let us ask you, Alpinists, and uh, people of our community, uh, are you enjoying? Uh, have you learned something interesting so far? That is more to come. Comment there if you are enjoying what we are discussing about. And um, it is this idea that uh, a material to be effective in um, helping you develop your language is um, you should understand uh, at least in the minimum 70% so that you are listening, for example, to a, a podcast or a discussion or a song or you are reading a book. If you can understand 70%, you are inside the margin of error, yeah? You are inside this aspect. I think Hamlet has found other 
I <laughs> think the... Orchid has found another toy in his doings of me. Oh my gosh. And, okay, let uh... me I guess I guess they will not be able to hear it. Okay. And um so um if you are not understanding at least 70%, give one step back and try to access a easier material. Because if it is if you can't understand uh, at least 70%, that will be really harsh for you to absorb it. And I would I would like to ask everyone who is watching us how uh, what is the percentage that you can understand for, for uh, what we are saying? Yeah, can you understand 10% of what we are saying? Can you understand uh, 25, 50, 70 or more? We are trying to we are trying to speak clearly, uh, not so fast. I'm trying. We're trying, but still, there's a there's a chance of you understanding the less than we expected. I would like to know. Comment, please, in the chat. The percentage: seventy percent, fifty percent, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. How uh, how much can you understand of this live? Excellent. Exactly. So. Uh, it is this idea that you should understand at least 70% of that comprehension. You should use grammar, 5 to 10% of your contact with the language, so that um, more time is dedicated to other aspects, not simply that aspect of uh, exclusively translating. Yes. Would you like to include something else, Gabi? Well... Uh, ah, Andresa had uh, had commented something about the the, but now I don't see her message anymore. Uh -huh. I think it's not there anymore. It's it's not there. But I remember she said something like in the beginning she used to translate a lot um, when she began to study English, I imagine, and uh, now it's just a tool, it's... as Matthew said. Exactly, exactly. Can you ask them there, Gabi? What is their relationship with translation? Uh-huh. Uh, so I have run have... some polls on Instagram. It was like really divided. 50-50. Uh, like people who translate always, all the time, or just sometimes. Exactly, 50 -50. yeah. Translation should be used less than sometimes. It should be used like really occasionally, seldom, yeah? Um, almost never, but it can, it can, from for all the levels, from beginners, intermediate, and advanced, yes? Especially, guys, and now we enter on a, a third aspect um, of this, this second argument, when translation can be positive. We have seen that translation can be negative when you depend exclusively on that, um, and, and because this will um, generate, uh, you won't be able to understand the peculiarities of the language. You will all the time pass the language through this filter, yes, Portuguese, and then English, and then after Portuguese, once again, to really see if you understood. So you won't develop confidence in that. But we have seen that translation can be positive when it is used in a small per, uh, frequency, yes, and also translation can be positive when it is specific, 
um, I, I think you have uh, mm -hmm. described this idea that instead of being whole sentences, it is specific. Text. Can you explore that, Gabby? Yeah, yeah. I would, I would like to remind everyone that we are living in time, in a time of uh, great technological advances. So uh, there's translator. Yeah, there's the online translator. There's Google Translator. Uh, when, when, uh, when we think of the last, I don't know. I mean, before the eighties or before the 90s maybe you did not have this uh, this this resource yeah to keep translating big texts or paragraphs um still uh i think it is positive to use translation when you don't you don't rely on it for everything you need to say yeah but when you check when you use it to check For example, you have written a text and then uh, you just want to check um, that part of the text because you think that maybe it doesn't sound so natural in English. So you can even go and do a research. But I would always advise that if you are going from Portuguese to English or from English to Portuguese, back to Portuguese, the best way to use translation is not to use big sentences is, and, and instead to, to use some parts of the information, parts of the sentence um, and words, specific words. Yeah, because uh, then you will see there are more ways to translate that, not only one way to translate that sometimes, yeah. Uh, really often you will see Uh, for example, um, synonyms. Yeah, you will find more ways to say the same thing. Exactly, exactly. And also, uh, the idea is translating is kind of a passive activity. Yeah, because you go there, you see the word, and you think, oh, that's the word that I want. Like house, casa, casa, house, ah, good. But then you didn't produce anything with that. Uh, so translation can be used for specific situations with the objective of producing something or... or uh, of communicating yeah, something. Creating a context around that word. You want to know what a word is like in English and you go there to the translation and search, that's all right. But simply seeing that, for example, um, melhorar... Melhorar... Yeah to improve, yeah? Mm -hmm. We see this translation and then we say, ah, okay, now I understand. One day after, or two hours after, you will not remember improve. And then, ah, what is melhorar? You won't be able to assess that information. But if you contextualize that, you search melhorar, ah, okay, to improve. And then you create a sentence with that. It can be writing in your notebook, yes? Uh, you can say, when I study English, I improve my language. Or when I practice uh, English, I improve it. Any kind of sentence, if it is with a house, I live in a house, can be short sentences. Uh, but Simple sentences. Yeah, simple sentences that you put that word that you learned, the translation, in a context. Because by doing that, you will become more 
um, it, it will be easier. Remember, guys, your brain is an association machine. Yes. So uh, if you simply take like symbols, melhorar, M E L H O R A R, uh, I could participate in soletrando, yeah. Uh, and you see, improve, I M P R O V E. These are symbols. They don't mean much, yes. But if you can put that in a context, if you can interact actively with that, producing it, the translation will be effective because you use it not as a final stage. You use it as an intermediary stage to produce something, to create something. To, to communicate To something. communicate, exactly. Precisely. And it, your brain will have a easier time to recall that word. Exactly, exactly. And that's why I would not only recommend you, and this is another tip, okay? So uh, uh, associate the word that you have translated with an example, with a context, is one, one way to use translation positively. Uh, use it in a small percentage of the time you invest to study English, yeah? Prefer to use uh, translation to, to get the, the, the equivalent words for small parts, yeah, small chunks of information, an expression, a phrasal verb, uh, a word, um, and to check back if you if you want to check, uh, for example, you produce the text, you've you've written a text, and you want to see uh, if you wrote what you thought you wrote, indeed, yeah. So you can really paste the text, copy the text, paste it to the translator, and see if in your mother language it's still what you meant. Yeah, it's like. But I would have, I would advise to to try to change if necessary. Change the text in English, not in not in the mother language, right? Try to modify yeah. your text in English. One metaphor that we could use is learning a language is like a plate of food, yeah? That is um, rice, that is speaking maybe or listening or read. Let's say that rice is uh, reading, beans is listening, a salad is... Um, writing and the meat is speaking, yeah. In the translation, guys, is a little bit of pepper that you put because if you put too much, you will ruin your the whole food, yeah. Uh -huh. But if you systematically and intelligently put the the translation there, it can add flavor. It can add yes. more nuances. So the... it's the salt in your food. Yeah, it is the salt in the food, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, the, the pepper, the seasoning is just a The detail. seasoning. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that's it. And then, Gabi, I think because of the time, because yeah, we're since, uh, since we are doing on Thursdays in the afternoon and we teach uh, on Thursdays, we will have shorter lives. So because of the time, can we get to the third... Um, aspect that is that concerns other alternatives i know that you yeah. prepared an interesting material about that so what yeah. are other alternatives to translating because 
if you should translate if translation is positive but when used uh, in small percentages use it in uh, it's one of the smallest things that you will do with the language what are the alternatives to that okay uh, first i would like to to mention the king of the kings <laughs> uh, google right google is also a verb nowadays so google it <laughs> Google that. I mean, uh, you can Google the word in your mother language and include in the search, you can include in English, for example, caneta in English, and then you will find it. You can even use the assistant, right? Google assistant or Alexa to ask that, for example, that word in English. If I say it now, I think we will have some trouble because it will recognize, but you can say, hello. Mr. Google. Uh, <laughs> hello, Google. Uh, what is caneta in English or caneta in English? And it will give you many results for the search. It will give you the translation. Another possibility is to, instead of using the translation, if you are going uh, from English to your mother language, if you want to understand and not discover how to say it in English, but understand what is that word in English, you can Google um, the word plus meaning, mm -hmm. what it means. Uh, the word, for example, pen, meaning. Pen, definition. Google that and see what you, what you find. I mean, Google will give you some definitions. Completely. You can use images. Images. You can use, if it is a more concrete thing, a concrete yeah. noun, images, they are perfect. If it yeah. is something more abstract, like improve or think, mm -hmm. um, it's better to search the meaning, definition, yeah? Word plus definition. And then you will have the definition there. You can write it down in your notebook. Yeah, you can ask the assistant as well, what is ta -da -da? And it will tell you, yeah? <laughs> uh, there, there's another uh, there are some dictionaries that I would like to recommend I, I, I don't remember if I have included the links in the description but after this live uh, is finished I will include them in the description of the video so you can check it out if it's not there yet you can check it out later but I would recommend four dictionaries, online dictionaries to you. They can be uh, downloaded as apps to your mobiles, mobile phone. So we have uh, Power Thesaurus that gives you synonyms, antonyms, uh, phrasal verbs that mean the same. Yeah. Um, this can help you a lot. To I gain love, more I vocabulary love as well. Thesaurus is amazing. I use all the time in classes. It's great. It's great. Another thing is uh, Lingui. If you really need to go from your mother language to English, which is what you should prefer to do, yeah. When you when we talk about translation, I think the best is always to focus on the language that you are learning, right? So from Portuguese to English, from your mother language to English. Um. So I would in, uh, I would recommend Lingui with double E in the end. Lingui, Lingui um, gives you uh, pronunciation as well. In um, in American English, in British English, 
So it helps you because it has also some examples extracted from the web. Yeah, from from many websites, and you can see yeah context in real yeah, life, and then it's contextualized. Contextualized, how that word is used. Merriam-Webster, Merriam-Webster will will be great for giving you simple definitions, uh, not very flourished definitions. It's an English to English dictionary, but it will give you the word classification, the meaning, the definition, uh, synonyms as well. There's the possibility to use thesaurus with Merriam-Webster as well. Inside Merriam-Webster, there is thesaurus. Um, and I would say the this one is 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 a little bit. Um, uh, I, I think you should be careful and criterious when using this dictionary because it's just like Wikipedia. Yeah, everyone uh, includes the everyone contributes with. The meaning, so people are telling jokes, people are being sometimes obscene in what they include there. But Urban Dictionary, Urban Dictionary is a great one yeah, as well. Urban Dictionary uh, demands a little bit of discretion. Yeah, uh, the guys can be very obscene or ironic, uh, so be uh, careful. And uh, there's another website that I think is similar to it, but people are more serious in the forums. You can search for expressions uh, or how can I say Santa Claus, yeah? Why do we call Santa Claus Santa Claus? Uh, things like more, like curiosities, it's EnglishExperts.com. English experts. And I believe that's pretty much that, Mateus. Excellent. So I think that's it, guys. We have discussed the three main arguments of our, the three main questions of our uh, uh, live today were um, first, when translation can be negative. Second, when translation can be positive. Third, uh, what are some alternatives to translation? We hope that you guys have enjoyed this live. We will be doing the next lives on this same hour, yeah, next uh, in the next three weeks. Uh, this four series will be on Thursdays at 1 p.m., um, if you haven't done yet, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. This helps us to see that what we are doing is good. Uh, Help more people to, share. to see it, it, this live. Exactly. Yeah, you can give it a thumbs up or share it. Feel free to share with people. And, um, and also turn on the notifications for the other lives. Uh, I would yeah. like to thank... You, Gabi, for the discussion. I would. Like I thank to, you. I'd like to thank the alpinists for thank participating. You and I believe we see you guys on our next lesson, on our next meeting. Next YouTube live as well. Yeah. See you guys. Take care. Best wishes. Bye-bye. Manifest your destiny. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag.